Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Into the green, into the green, into the green, into the green forest magic, into the green. Into the green, into the green forest healing, into the green, into the green, into the green forest therapy. Into the green, into the green, into the green wood, into the forest, into the green wood, into the forest, into the green wood, into the forest. Into the green wood, into the forest. Forest therapy, forest healing, forest magic. This is Selena Fox, and thank you for tuning in to Nature Spirituality. I'm coming to you live from Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve, a 200-acre nature sanctuary in southwestern Wisconsin, USA. More than three-quarters of Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve is forest. Forest magic is part of our land work here, and it's part of a healing work that we do individually and collectively here on this land and in the larger world that we are part of. I'm coming to you live via CSNP, Circle Sanctuary's Internet Radio Network, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, and I'm also coming to you live via Facebook, my main Facebook page, Selena Fox Updates. Tonight, we're going to take a look at forest magic that has a healing focus for humans. And I will be sharing with you a bit of history about this, as well as some of my own direct experiences doing forest therapy for myself as part of self-care, doing forest therapy with individual clients, doing forest therapy with small groups, as well as doing forest therapy as part of spiritual practices in community festival settings. Forests have been sacred places for humans of many places, of many spiritualities, of many cultures, around the world since ancient times. Forests themselves have been sacred sites, and as part of the work at these sacred sites, healing, guidance, renewal, wisdom for greater well-being have been part of spiritual practices at these sacred sites. As we go back through time, 
across cultures. We know a variety of different peoples revered specific forest places as sacred. Sometimes they were called sacred groves. Sometimes they were called sacred forests, sacred woods, enchanted forests. Tonight we're going to take a look at some of those places and knowing that those who are doing forest therapy today in the 21st century are actually continuing traditions that have their roots in the ancient past. Amongst the Greeks and Romans, the forests that were sacred places were called by a variety of different names. Temenos was one of those names. Celtic peoples had names for their sacred woods, their sacred forests. The word nematon comes out of the Celtic tradition for a sacred forest. Sacred forests not only were used by Celtic peoples, Greeks and Romans, but Slavic people, as well as people in other parts of the world, including the Americas, different tribes and nations that would be called Native Americans today. As we go to Asia, Japan has a rich Shinto heritage where forests were sacred places and Shinto shrines were created there in the past, and many of them survive to this day, and new shrines being created. In the Philippines, in Thailand, in India, those are just a few places in Asia that had and have sacred forests. And in Africa, we know there are sacred forest traditions in Ghana, in Nigeria, and in other places, literally around the world where there have been forests and where there have been humans living, there have been sacred forests. And some of the forests were given particular names were aligned with particular forms of the divine. And sometimes they were aligned with a whole pantheon of divinities. And certainly in some Germanic and other northern way traditions going back to Scandinavia and other parts of that part of the world, there were sacred forests, and within the sacred forest there may be a sacred tree that was a focus point for sacred rituals, including healing rituals. Back in the 1980s in Japan, to deal with the stress of the information age, it became apparent that as more people went online as part of their day-to-day -day work, as part of their day-to-day -day living, that all that screen time was eating up life force. There were good things coming from it, but it was contributing to stress, having people in indoor spaces on screens. And something called Shinrin Yoku was created, 1982. Forest bathing is how many people know it today and who speak English. And indeed, going out into a forest was a prescription that many healthcare providers gave to Japanese people to help balance the stress of urban life and of cyber life. Forest bathing has gone global, as has the concept of forest therapy. There are different approaches to forest bathing, forest healing, forest therapy. There are people who specialize in this work their certification programs, and indeed, as part of the larger holistic health 
movement that's happening on planet Earth going into forest environments has been seen as an important therapeutic process in all of its different forms. I myself began working with forest therapy long ago in my early days of studying psychology and being trained in psychotherapeutic and counseling work. When I did my graduate studies at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, I had a practicum placement at my request that actually took me into the depths of the medical establishment at a private for-profit medical hospital treating severely mentally ill. During my time there, working not only in the adult wing, but also with adolescents and with children, I had opportunities to network with other psychotherapists, some in social work, some in counseling, which was the background that I was getting my degree work in, as well as people in psychiatry. And one of the things that I discovered, even though the hospital had beautiful grounds around it, all of the therapeutic work that was being done with the severely mentally ill was being done indoors in quite sterile interior spaces. And I had some positive interactions with doctors and other healthcare providers and those who were doing supervisory work for me as well as the clinical treatment of the severely mentally ill. I proposed that as part of my studies through my graduate practicum that was being supervised at this medical facility, that I'd have the opportunity to be able to take one or small groups of patients who um, were in need of getting some additional treatment to actually take them on the grounds, to take them into the green, literally, as part of their treatment program. So I helped launch a kind of forest therapy at a mental health hospital. My own time in doing this, and I did it several times during the course of my training there, I got positive feedback from the patients as well as from the healthcare providers themselves. Um, that particular hospital institution went through some changes. It's actually now um, been converted to a sleep therapy um, part of the psychiatry department in the medical um, school at University of Wisconsin in Madison. But during my time there, I had the opportunity to introduce forest therapy into mainstream medical healthcare delivery. And that was back in the early 1990s. I'm happy to report that more hospitals and clinics and other healthcare facilities, nursing homes, rehab centers, and yes, hospices where people are at the end of their life are actually valuing green space as a whole and some of these, although they're in urban and suburban environments, do have trees, not a full forest with a forest ecosystem, but a variety of different vegetation present. And labyrinths are being created in some of these spaces, and not only visitors to these medical facilities have a chance to go out and to have some therapeutic time in these green spaces, but there are healthcare practitioners that are using 
these facilities and the outdoor parts is part of treatment. There is still a really long way to go before what the ancient peoples knew is um, fully integrated within the healthcare delivery system in the USA and other parts of the world. I have found that while I appreciate this opportunity to work with these hospital spaces, most of my work has actually been doing work in nature preserves and parks and national forests and other really large green spaces whose purpose has been to preserve the green space but also has been kind of a mixed thing, not only preserving green space such as the national park, national forest, but recreational and educational. And certainly I am thankful for the whole idea of preserving green spaces, thankful for the national parks movement and the national forest movement and it's my hope that as humankind continues its time here on planet Earth, we treasure and protect even more green spaces. And certainly, we need ourselves as humans to do some healing around our attitudes regarding trees and forest environments. We need to take action to preserve not only sacred forests that are continuing to be used in that way into contemporary times, but forests as a whole. They are the lungs of our planet and provide much needed support, not only for human life, but creatures and all forms of life here on planet Earth. In the work that I have done with forest therapy, I have divided this up in several different categories. I'll begin with work that I've done myself for my own personal self-care. I have chosen to live in a forest environment. I am a forest dweller for most of the days and nights in a year's time. I still, on occasion, even though we have a pandemic going on in 2021, when I am uh, doing this, debuting this new workshop, uh, I certainly go into urban areas and suburban areas and small towns and cities, but at heart, I'm a country girl, and I really enjoy being in rural environments and intensely made the choice back in the 1970s to go into the green, not only for therapeutic visits, but to live there. And yes, we're still in need for better infrastructure with phone and video, but things are improving. In my own personal work, my forest therapy has taken several different forms. One is called the short walk in the woods. I've done this increasingly over the last nearly year and a half since the pandemic has made its appearance here on planet Earth as a result of being online even more than before. Speaking online, meeting online, uh, many, many Zoom calls, webinars, uh, just a variety of online opportunities to do work, to collaborate with others, to do education. And indeed, right now, I have three devices that I am working with to bring this workshop to you, all of you tuning in live, as well as all of you who will be going and connecting later. I've, like many other people, have found that if I'm on a Zoom call or other video conference call uh, for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two or three hours at a crack, 
Um, a good practice is once one's meeting is done or if it's at a conference where you get even a 15-minute break or so, is to take part of that time and to go outdoors and to connect with some kind of vegetation. It may take the form of going outside uh, and being in the garden. It might be taking a walk around the block for people that live in small towns or suburbs or cities. For myself, when I walk outside, I'm in a forest, so I can just walk around my house and I'm surrounded by trees, and so I don't have to walk far to go into the green because I'm living in the green. And in talking with others about going into the green as a balance to screen time, I have learned that others, too, have discovered this as a best practice. And indeed, I have taken part in some seminars that have also talked about the importance to balance um, a lot of zooming with some breaks and going outside. And there are actual research studies that have been conducted that are in process now that really take a look at the therapeutic aspects of going into green space as a whole. And certainly going into a forested green space has more dynamic complexity. For when you go into a forest, you not only have vegetation around you, but you're entering the forest world. And the forest world has a variety of creatures and different types of plants. The, the soil, there's chances are there's some kind of water feature there. You have the atmosphere. It may be misty. It may be, you may have winds sunlight, how much light do you have? So you have all of the elements in a forest environment, moisture in the air, and there may be a lake or a pond or some dew. That's the water. You have the earth, the soil that um, gives sustenance to the different kinds of plants. You've got the wind, the air that you breathe, as a part of that wind and air, there's um, aromas that come from being in a forest environment. You have the fire in the form of warmth and light from the sun. And the spirit of the forest. You have the spirit of the whole forest ecosystem. It is a living, dynamic presence. And when you go into the green that is a forest green, you not only have the opportunity to connect with those elements therapeutically, earth, air, fire, water, spirit, but the spirit of the forest. And those who have spiritual practice and philosophy, worldview, religion that recognizes spiritual dimensions of places, sacred sites, and the opportunity to not only recognize it, but to connect with it, commune with it, that adds a whole other dimension to forest therapy. For me, it is very essential. As I walk around my home, it isn't just a matter of seeing the forest as a backdrop to my human experience, but I experience myself being out, interacting with the different dimensions of nature all around me. And experiencing that kind of support and seeing myself and my appreciation contributing to the support going from me to nature around me, it's an exchange. I benefit from the forest and in my own small way, it is my hope by being aware of the forest and the living beings around me and not only those that people might regularly classify as living creatures and plants, but the elements I consider living as well, as well as the essence of the forest, the spirit of the forest, the soul of the forest. So to me, it's an interactive experience. Rather than me being on a kind of stage with a backdrop that has a forest scene, I think that 
that form of self-care where I go into a supportive, green, interactive, dynamic environment is a way of connecting with a, a support system that we're all part of, the greater circle of nature of which we are all part, specifically in a forest environment. So I do my short walk method, and I endeavor to do that at least daily, and then I have what I call my longer nature communion experience. When we constructed our house, designed and constructed the house, um, found a, a building team that could take our ideas and really make it a reality, build, building into our home. Uh, I'm from the South, so porches in the USA are a thing I grew up with. And of course, I would have a porch that takes me into the green, so literally I can still be in my house and be in the green, whatever the weather, and sitting out on the back porch and having forest all around me, hearing the sounds of birds, sitting in a chair and being able to contemplate and meditate, appreciate and innovate with my interactions with the green space, with the forest life, I have really found that to be a wonderful way of doing self-care and therapy for myself. And actually, I think whether you live in a forest or not, and I realize I'm in an increasing minority of humans that make their home in forests. Uh, and a lot of that does have to be, uh, has to do with access to food and infrastructure and that type of thing. But one of the things that can be adapted from this type of forest therapy is to find a place in your own home, uh, regardless if it's an apartment or a trailer or an RV if you're nomadic, um, whether it's a tent, if you like to camp, um, whether it is a house, you know, a condo, whatever. Find a place in your home, outdoors, if you're able, where you have a view of trees. Even if it's not a forest, um, experience yourself connecting. Um, and if you're in the heart of a big metropolitan city to at least be able to gaze outside and be able to go into the outdoors that way. That is all kind of having its roots in what I would call the nature communion experience that forest therapy is part of. In addition to me spending sometimes an hour or more sitting in the green, either on my back porch or walking into the forest and sitting on a rock or some on the ground itself or bringing a camp chair and do it that way. There are some other therapeutic experiences I do as, far, as part of my own forest therapy self-care experiences. To do a combination of walking and resting. Sometimes this takes the form not really sitting, but walking and then stopping and being still. Experiencing self as part of the community of life. Tuning in to the sounds. How many bird sounds can I hear? Do I recognize those different languages of the different bird species, and are there a lot? What's the emotional tone? Is, are the birds warning each other about something? Are they happy? Is it a mating call? What, what am I experiencing with the sounds? And not only with birds, but other creatures. We have a lot of woodpeckers in our forest, and so in addition to hearing bird songs, we hear um, birds in action sounds. Being able to tune in to the climate, 
as a whole in the weather specific to that locale that I'm in. The humidity factor, what kind of moisture is in the air, is there a wind? If so, where is it coming from? How strong is it? Is it changing? The light, the interplay of light around, the sensations that I feel on my skin, the emotional energy that I am picking up from being there, from myself as well as my interaction with those around me, and being able to work with all of the five senses, the taste and the touch and the smell and the sight, um, you know, hearing and just being. But beyond the five senses as well is an essential part of these walk and stand and pause experiences of doing nature therapy. And I found as I do a walk, and we have trails in our woods, and I want to give thanks to my husband, Dennis, also known as Dr. Dennis, or Dr. D, um, for his work in trail maintenance and um, being able to move within the woods without totally tromping on different habitats and other things. It gives us um, access to be able to move around the woods, and often they are deer trails or other trails that have been widened a bit. And as I'm moving through, I endeavor to walk carefully with intention and to be as silent as possible. I keep my attention on the environment around and myself as a participant in that environment. So as I move around, at times, I may spot a creature in the woods. That happened the other day where a deer, a buck with some horns, so getting the velvet on, I pause, just stop at that moment and be a peaceful presence and to actually come face to face with creatures who also are pausing and looking at me is quite an amazing um, experience. So I endeavor not to be a threat to other beings in the woods, to be a peaceful presence, an interactive presence, an awareness presence. So I will walk and then I will pause and I will spend moments of just experiencing that part of the forest. Now another technique that I have as an approach to my own forest bathing, my forest communion, my forest therapy, I have particular places in the forest which are ceremonial sites where I do sacred work. At Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve, where I am right now, uh, one of my favorite places to do ceremonial work and where I will be doing a Lunasa morning ceremony and meditation, nature communion experience, is the Stone Circle atop Ritual Mound. It's in a naturally occurring oak grove, and back when we acquired the property back in 1983 and began um, paying for the property and moved to uh, the land, the 200 acres at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve in southwestern Wisconsin, USA, um, we started creating a circle of stones. Now, this is not a Stonehenge or Avery with monolithic stones, megalithic stones. This is microlithic. I contributed some information about stone circle ritual creation and facilitation to a book on stone circles, and that's when I first discovered the word microlithic. Indeed, the author I thought that would be a good way to describe the stone circle that we have at Circle Sanctuary Nature Preserve. Indeed, people have come to this sacred grove with stones of various shapes and sizes and other natural objects, seashells, crystals, and have placed them in the ring of stones with blessings, with prayers of honor, respect, and well-being 
explore planet Earth as a whole and specific parts of planet Earth and for life. So I've been caretaking as well as helping with what I call this ongoing um, community art, sacred art project called our Microlithic Stone Circle for many years since we began the Stone Circle with a meditation at that location back at Sawa 1983 at the time that we began acquiring the land. It is now um, paid for in Circle Sanctuary's hands. And we began starting that stone circle at Yule of 1983. I really appreciate being in this sacred site and having a circle of oak trees all around us. And the oak trees are of different um, types and of different ages. To actually have the experience of being in a sacred grove, I have found to be a, a fabulous way of doing forest therapy, and I have facilitated not only personal experiences for myself there and doing overnight guidance quests, but I have guided individuals as well as small groups and even large groups of people in a variety of ceremonies, and some of those ceremonies specifically have a healing focus. Others are celebrating the cycles of the seasons and have a healing piece in, uh, included as part of it. I see the trees around that stone circle as friends, as part of the rituals that we do. I see them as interconnected with each other, as well as with the land, as well as with the ancient ones and divine forces that we work with at that ceremonial spot. So doing forest therapy that is in a sacred circle of trees, a grove, or a clearing in the woods, or a spot in the woods where one returns repeatedly, not only do you build up within your own consciousness an association of that space with going into sacred forms of consciousness. But what is amazing is you develop relationship with the spirit of that place and that spirit of that place being um, part of a much larger ecosystem or biome. So for my own self-care, yes, it may range from a few minutes walking around my house it might be a longer meditative experience, either on my back porch or up on a rock or um, on a tree stump somewhere from a tree that um, is no longer alive, that's fallen over and, and basically have the remnants of where that tree has been. Uh, it might be a walk and stop and walk and stop experience, or it may be an actual ritual all of these have been things that I have found beneficial for myself. Another form of forest therapy that I'm directly engaged in are these interactions with others. And I have done these in person in pre-pandemic times. And now, as Circle Sanctuary is starting to open itself again and start having in-person gatherings, I have begun working with others in forest environments to aid with healing and well-being. And this can take the form of a very informal interaction and in giving a tour. It might take the form of some type of ceremony. We have a green cemetery, which is taking an old practice of not embalming human bodies and putting them in biodegradable containers and returning them to earth for full body burials as part of a green cemetery or taking cremated remains and scattering them on the land in the cemetery or burying them. That can take a variety of forms. So I see that when I do burials and memorials out in the forest, and our burying ground is in the forest, and our original 
Um, part of the cemetery is a ridgetop in the forest. We also have a prairie that's surrounded by trees, but it's more open space where we scatter remains. Uh, it's not only remembering the person who has died and honoring them and giving them blessings as they journey in the other world and being support to the family and doing remembrance, but there's a whole therapeutic piece that happens when you actively engage the spirits of the land, the spirits of the forest in that passage rite, in that ceremony. How visible I make that part depends on the people involved, how diverse their spiritual orientation and their culture is, and um, how, uh, if it's mostly a pagan group or totally a pagan group, then it's a lot more um, visible, where I will call to the spirit of the forest. Uh, if it's for a group that is perhaps not very familiar with the idea of what a spirit of the forest is, then I will put it in some other terms that hopefully accomplish something similar, is let us connect with the beauty of nature around us. Let us take a few moments and experience ourselves in this forest environment and call to mind the cycle of life, growth, death, and rebirth that repeats over and over within the natural world. Let us take comfort in that. Let us celebrate and appreciate that. So those are some examples of weaving some forest therapy in, into a ceremony connected with end of life. In working with groups of people, when I work with an individual client and I'm doing this face-to-face -face in a forest environment, I do some discussion and dialogue in preparation for it, try to get a sense of not only what the issue is that needs some therapeutic support, but also what the person's on comfort level is in going into a green space. Not everyone who uh, wants to engage in some kind of forest therapy experience has done it before and has really made friends with a forest, has encountered a forest environment. And whether this is done in a therapeutic context or I've also had this experience when I've taught classes and had people go into the forest as part of a learning experience. I've come to know over the years that even spending a few, um, a few minutes, uh, 20 minutes, half hour or so in the forest, for somebody that hasn't really encountered an environment, hearing sounds, um, that can itself perhaps anxiety producing. So I want to make sure when I'm working with others, educationally, therapeutically, or um, just focus completely on working through some problems and traumas, that there isn't some more trauma happening because a person's unfamiliar with being within a forest environment. And so we do some discussion and some preparation. And I actually think looking at all forms of forest therapy, essentially there are five different parts. And I've used this, what I call, five-part model um, in a variety of different therapeutic senses as well as specifically with forest, forest therapy, care for myself and care for others. So the first is preparation. Um, having a plan, figuring out where you're going, when you're going, why you're going, and getting ready. And certainly um, wearing the right kind of clothing, footgear, that kind of thing, sun protection, all of that, and uh, being aware of the environment you're going into. Then making the journey, going and going to the place and making a connection with the place, and then at the heart of this five point is actually having the forest therapy experience, and then 
The fourth part is giving thanks. So just as one makes the journey there and makes a connection, as one is concluding experience, to also bring that connection to mind in an appreciation way. There's ways to give verbal thanks. Some people will take a small vial of water um, and pour that on the base of a particular tree if that is a permitted activity in that area. And why I say water is uh, most plants, I mean, it's pretty much a universal offering that can be really good. And then the fifth part, after one is uh, done fourth, which is giving thanks and return home, is integrating it. And that can take a variety of forms. I think the first thing is to write about the experience. Write about it in first person as if you're reliving it in the here and now. And the reason for that technique is that it helps you remember better when you actually, in your mindset, bring it to mind and give a narrative of what you were experiencing while you were doing it. So make a record of what you've experienced as if you are doing a live action news report. Uh, put it in first person. And then after you've set down what you've experienced, like an account of it, then read it over, reflect, and um, start paying attention to what you're experiencing as a result of having gone and had a forest therapy experience. What did you learn about yourself? What came up for you? How are you feeling now? And then to also let yourself have some free-form interface with inner guidance and to pay attention to what messages have come to you and what your learnings are that you can apply for when you go back into the green, into the forest again. So in terms of nature therapy, forest therapy in particular, you can uh, do some self-care work, such as I've shared some of my approaches. You can do work with a therapist that has training and experience and skills in not only therapeutic work, who has a background in psychology and mental health, health care, but who also has understanding of the forest environment. And I do think part of the reason the profession now has been um, bringing up forest guides is to have a good blending of the psychological and the therapeutic with the biological um, and the forest environment because when you're guiding um, an experience for one or more people in the wild, you do need to be uh, hopefully wise about the wild because one of the great things about going into a forest, you really can't predict what you might encounter, who you might encounter, what kind of dynamics and things might happen from the environment itself, from the interactions, and what might get triggered in the person that you're working with. So some other things to share with you about forest therapy. Um, and some of this comes out of work done in Japan. There's something called phytocides that is a kind of chemical that is being studied in the particular kinds of trees that are the Japanese trees in these various forests. In fact, forest therapy has become so popular in Japan, forests are actually being planted with particular kinds of trees. And my experience, though, has been, and I've been in a variety of different types of forests, that uh, the type of tree certainly can have its own kind of biochemical reality, um, and each for type of forest has its own kind of energy about it, as well as the specific forest within a type of forest. I do think 
that being aware that there's some physiological thing that happens when you're in a forest in terms of the smells and what's in the air that you're breathing. That's part of it. What you're seeing, how the light plays in. Now, some forests are more kind of an open woods area. And so if you're going during the day, you're going to have sunlight. And the understory can vary from place to place. Um, back in the late 80s, I spent time on the island nation of Antigua and had the experience of a rainforest. And I, uh, one of the amazing things about being in a rainforest environment was being able to experience the different layers of the, uh, the forest life. There are some creatures that are really in the upper story and others all along the ground. And the density, and um, this was on a, and Antigua's gone through a lot of changes since then, you know, hurricanes and other things going on. But um, one of the wonderful things about being there was not only encountering different vegetation that I'd been used to and different creatures, but the aromas, the sensations, and when it rained, which is usually every afternoon, we get a bout of rain, to actually hear the sounds of the rain in that environment and feel the nurturing coming in and being part of that whole experience, just fabulous. When I have traveled out to the West Coast, I've had some positive experiences in Redwood and Sequoia areas where I've gone into forests with what some people call the tree giants. And to actually be with a 2,000-year-old-plus tree and a whole forest of them really can help one put one's personal experiences into perspective to be in that kind of environment. In the South, I have in, Flor in parts of Florida and some parts of coastal Maryland, I've gone into cypress groves, I've gone into brackish waters, where trees are in what some people would call a swamp or a marsh, and it's been amazing to have that whole experience of forest life. So I do think, as you consider forest therapy, be aware of the different types of forests that there are, my first um, workshop in this Forest Magic series is about forest life, and if you haven't tuned into that workshop, I invite you to consider doing so. And next week, I will be doing the third part of this series, Forest Enchantments, to really take a look at traditions of working with folk magic and charms and um, the whole magical dimension of going into a forest for empowerment, for inner journeying, just the magic that can happen. So in conclusion, forest therapy can take a lot of different forms. Forest therapy can be something that one can do on one's own. Forest therapy can be done with a guide, with someone who is skilled with that. Forest therapy can happen in a group setting. It might take the form of a nature communion retreat. But forest therapy also can be part of some conference or festival or other gathering. Circle Sanctuary's largest festival, pre-pandemic, Pagan Spirit Gathering, um, has been held in natural places ever since it began more than 40 years ago, back in 1980. And we obviously have needed to have some clearing space to have large group rituals, and the forest areas that we've been in, the natural areas, have had forested parts as well as some more open space where we've had bonfires and camping and set up our centers. 
Well, one of the real wonderful things that have ha- has happened as a result of having a national and it has had global international dimensions too, celebration of summer solstice at Pagan Spirit Gathering, we create community. We live in a natural area for a week, eight days and seven nights. And one of the powerful things is when you live in an environment like that, even for a week, where there are forest spaces, that whole gathering energy, that community that the humans have created themselves through interacting with each other and interacting with the divine and interacting with the sacred land, that we've had many wonderful and therapeutic things happen as a result of holding a gathering that had forest dimensions. Some of our workshop spaces have been held specifically in very wooded areas. And to have an experience to go into the woods for learning, for connecting with other humans, and the larger circle of nature of which we're part, even if the workshop or the ritual may not have specifically a healing focus, the idea of having that kind of ancestral practice as part of present-day life and incarnation, itself is therapeutic. It's therapeutic for us as humans, but also therapeutic for that natural world that we're part of. By bringing forth the practices of being in harmony with the forest and the larger natural world, it gives us a perspective It gives us an understanding of the importance and the interconnectedness of being part of a forest life and a forest environment and the greater circle of nature. And coming from that, it is my hope we not only experience renewal as well as healing and wisdom, but we get inspired and energized to be part of guarding forests and green space, working for a healthier environment, not only to protect it for our own self-interest so that we have green space to go and be and with future generations to be, but to honor and protect it for the sake of our community responsibility of being part of that diverse community of life that is part of what is known as the biosphere here on planet Earth. So tonight we've been taking a look at forest therapy, humans going into forests for healing. But in conclusion, I want you to consider how it's important for us to help bring about healing for the forests that are in and around planet Earth, to protect the forest, to stop the forest destruction, to be part of practices that sustain life and help life thrive, not just to stop the bad practices, but to do restorative practices. And part of this does involve educating ourselves and fact-checking and developing good skills and critical thinking and being able to network and collaborate with other humans who are also engaged in helping with environmental preservation. I think that as we look ahead to the future, it is my hope that humankind will get out of what some people call the terrible twos. It's when when in human development, often around the age two, as one becomes more self-aware, it's me, 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 me. Well, too often humans get too human needs focused. We need to grow up and recognize that we can help our own needs by also being supportive of the needs not only of other humans, but that of creatures and plants and ecosystems for the planet as a whole. I do hope 
that you will carry from this nature therapy workshop some ideas that you can put into action to aid you in forest therapy, doing healing and renewing and well-being for your own personal life and that you can share some of these ideas with others. I also invite you to recognize that when you've had some actual in-person and in-nature experiences in a forest, that even if you may be in a situation where for a time you're not able to physically go to a forest, you can call those images up in your mind in the form of inner space, and if you're in need of green space and are in a circumstance in a room without windows or access to be able to go out into a park or whatever, well, go to some green forest spaces in cyberspace. I am so thankful to be a forest dweller and someone who does forest therapy, being a forest therapist, into the green for healing, into the green for feeling, into the green for renewing, into the green for well-being. Thank you all who Tune in live and all of you who will be tuning in later. For more information about Circle Sanctuary, find us on the web, circlesanctuary.org. For more information about our Green Spirit Festival 2021, go to the Circle Sanctuary website and be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Circle Sanctuary Community. And for those of you who enjoy our podcast, make sure on Facebook you go to, like, and follow CSN Podcast. That not only gives updates about the podcast, I'm doing Nature Mystic every Sunday afternoon, Nature Spirituality every Wednesday night, but the whole range of podcasts that we have coming up with the other podcasters. Thanks to our whole podcasting team. Special thanks to David and Jeanette Ewing, who coordinate our station and who are doing the engineering for my podcast. I wish you all forest magic blessings. Thanks for tuning in.
Blessed be the horned god, king of the wild hunt. Blessed be the horned god around the Beltane fire. Blessed be the horned god, king of the wild hunt. Blessed be the horned god around the Beltane fire. First ray of dawn, he bids farewell to his queen. The Lord and his lady will meet again all Hallows Eve. Blessed be the horned god, king of the wild hunt. Blessed be the horned god around the Beltane fire. Blessed be the horned god, king of the wild hunt. Blessed be the horned god around the Beltane fire. Blessed be the horned god, king of the wild hunt. Blessed be the horned god around the Beltane fire. joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.